We are in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 19. We're looking at the life, the reign of King Hezekiah, the king of the tribes of Judah, the southern two tribes. We've seen in our study over the last couple of weeks, the northern ten tribes have been carried away into captivity by the Assyrian army. The Assyrians were, as we've mentioned, just absolutely brutal in the way that they dealt with those that they captured. And they became infamous because of the way that they dealt with. They were just absolutely ruthless. They would, they did, they would be, they put a siege around a city. They would completely surround the city and starve people out. Uh, they'd run out of water and, and surrender. And that was all that they would accept was absolute unconditional surrender. If there was any type of problems, they were known for going through an entire village and beheading everyone, man, woman, and child, and then piling their heads up in a pyramid outside of the city, obviously not to threaten the people in the city. They're all dead. But for anybody else who would pass by, basically saying, this is what will happen to you if you mess with us. There's even records of them skinning people alive and placing their skins on the wall around the city. I mean, absolute terrorizing people, that the brutality. We talked of this last week, and we'll see it come into play as the Lord even speaks of this um, uh, this evening in our study. But they would get people to walk along and go where they wanted to go by putting hooks through their jaws and, and dragging them along. I mean, absolutely brutal. We saw that the Assyrians now, they've captured the northern tribes, and that word has come as well. And then as we see in verse 13 of chapter 18, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, and that's an important year that we're going to look at before we actually get into our study, because King Hezekiah, as we see in chapter beginning of chapter 18, he was 25 years old when he began to reign. He reigned for 29 years, so roughly halfway through his reign, we see that this, this, takes, this takes place, that Sennacherib now comes up against some of the other fortified cities now in Judah. Now they're moving into the, the territory where Jerusalem is, the southern tribes. So we see initially that Hezekiah tries to buy them off. He tries to, to pay them off, and we will see that that doesn't work. Temp works temporarily if you, to hold it off for maybe a few years tries to make an alliance with Egypt that's not outlined for us here, although Isaiah comes against the tribes of Judah in Isaiah chapter 30 for that, trying to go to make an alliance with Egypt. And we'll see, or as we did last week, when Reb Shaka was speaking to Hezekiah and the others, that you thought you could make an alliance with Egypt and that would do you any good? Like leaning on a like on a broken reed. And as you do that, it breaks off and the sharp part of the reed stabs you in the hand. That's as good as it would be for you to lean on Egypt. And so we see that this is what is facing, facing Hezekiah, a man, a very godly man, the godliest kings of the kings of Judah. We saw that. And let, just look at that real quickly back in chapter 18, verse 5, speaking of Hezekiah, after he removed, verse 4, it says he removed the high places, broke down the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah, broke into pieces the bronze servant of Moses, those things that none of the other kings had done, even the good king in Judah. Verse 5 says, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before him. 
for he clung to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord God commanded Moses. So here we have the, the, the story now as we are coming into chapter 19. And what it, the story that unfolds before us now, interestingly enough, is told to us three times in the Old Testament. That's how important this story is. It's recorded for us here in 2 Kings. It's recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. And then Isaiah, in Isaiah 36 through 39, almost word for word, records what we're going to look at tonight in 2 Kings. And I think that's, that's significant. You know, God, God repeating this for us, almost like the, in, in the Gospels, it's recorded for us, the life of Jesus over the four Gospels to look at. This is an important message because I believe that it, it, it really can be one of those that's applicable to pretty much everyone if not right now in your life, at some point in your life. Because we're going to see, as we look at this, the, that it seemed it was impossible odds that they were up against. Again, this is the most powerful army in the world. To the point, again, where you either gave up, many, many villages even, there was record of that when the Assyrian army would come and surround, instead of giving up, just mass suicide, instead of giving up into them. That's who they were facing. That's who surrounds them. And we know, and we're going to see, that there's at least 185,000 Assyrian soldiers that now are going to encircle Jerusalem. That's just the soldiers. You know that the soldiers weren't cooking their own meals and doing all that other kind of stuff. So you can only imagine how many people are encircling. 185,000 soldiers are there. And as I mentioned last week, just as also a set, we'll hopefully get to chapter 20 today as well in chapter 19. But chapter 20 chronologically took place before chapter 19. Really, I believe it really plays out that, it, that verse 13 where it says, now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, we see in chapter 20 that he comes down with an illness that Isaiah tells him he's going to die from. He prays to God. God says, go back and tell him that he's going to live another 15 years. So we know that that takes place in this 14th year as well. God makes a promise to him that he will live another 15 years and that he will defeat the Assyrian army. That he will defeat them for Hezekiah and for the, 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 the tribes of Judah. He will defeat them. That promise is made to him. And I say that because as we are setting this up, it's told three times, as I mentioned, that the promises of the Lord are true. Guys, as Christians, we have those same promises, do we not? And the, the Lord tells us, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. I will never abandon you. I will never allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you are able in the strength of the Lord. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. All of these promises, right? But when it comes right down to it, and we look over the wall, and there's 185,000 Assyrian soldiers out there. It's easy for us in that moment to do what we know we're not supposed to do, and that's to walk by sight and not by faith. As, we, as we're going to take a look at this and, and kind of carve this through, at the end of chapter 18, they first came, and just as a refresher for those of you who were here, and just a real quick run-up for those who weren't. They've surrounded the city, and word comes now back into Hezekiah. And one of the last words was they were, the, the Reb Shekha, the 
messenger for Sennacherib, the king, was telling them, yelling up on the wall, don't let Hezekiah convince you that your God can beat us, that you can beat us. Don't, don't, don't believe any of that. We have defeated everyone soundly, whoever we've come up against. And notice it says in verse 36, but the people were silent and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was, do not answer him. And we looked at this last week as well, but I think it bears repeating again. In 2 Chronicles, the story of this, it says that Hezekiah appointed military officers over the people, gathered them into the square of the city, and spoke encouragingly to them, saying, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor because of all the horde that is with him, for the one with us is greater than the one with him. With him is only the arm of the flesh, but with us, the Lord our God, to help us and to fight our battles. And again, that same promise is ours. But the problem is the arm of the flesh. Because that's what we see. He said, don't worry about that. Don't think about it. That's the arm of the flesh. That's what they have. But greater is he who is in us. Greater is he that fights our battles. And I, again, say that up because as we now transition into chapter 19, they didn't answer him because of the word of encouragement Hezekiah gave them. But now when the word comes to Hezekiah and he looks over the wall and sees all of them, notice what happens, verse 19, chapter 19, verse 1. When King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and entered the house of the Lord. Tearing your clothes, covering yourself in sackcloth, that was a, a, a show of, of desperation. That was a grieving. That was going, and, but, a, but a big sign of humility. And notice what he did, and this is hugely important. He entered the house of the Lord. He knew where his strength came from. He knew it came from the Lord. And when our faith might falter, we need to go to the Lord. He go, so he goes to the Lord, and then notice too, then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, with Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered them with sackcloth. They sent them, he sent them to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, and they said to him, thus says Hezekiah, this day is a day of distress, rebuke, and rejection. For children have come to birth, and there is no strength to deliver. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, who is the master of the king of Assyria, has sent to, re to reproach the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words of the words that you have heard with which the servant of the king of Assyria has blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he will hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. So Sennacherib sends word to Rebshekah here. Now, Hezekiah responding that way. And you see in this, he said, in, when he says there that, that in, in absolute desperation, this is a day of distress, rebuke, and rejection. But notice he goes to the, the house of the Lord. There's godly people around him. And then he sends to Isaiah, the prophet. Sends to the godly man, Isaiah, would you, would you pray? Would you get involved in this and intercede and pray with us? Guys, I think that that's one of the first things that is a lesson for us when we're facing those moments. And granted, this is an illustration, 185,000 barbarians surrounding the city. But all of us at one time or another, maybe even right now, are facing what we would consider an impossible situation. 
facing something that is bigger than we think that we can handle on our own or, or going through a very difficult trial. And guys, that's one of the benefits of being a part of the body of Christ is that we go through these things together. Paul tells us that we are to bear one another's burdens and in so doing, we fulfill the law of Christ. The author of Hebrews tells us, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the throne of God, or over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean with an evil, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We have this confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. It tells us that King Hezekiah went to the house of the Lord but he didn't go into the Holy of Holy. He couldn't. He didn't even go into the holy place. He couldn't do that. He could only go into the outer court, that the courtyard that is out there. As the king, that's all the farther he could go. Guys, as believers, we enter behind the veil to the Holy of Holy. We stand cleansed by the blood of Jesus and we have access to the throne of grace directly there. And I love that as we see this picture here in, that it unfolds for us in Hebrews. Notice it says, because we have this, and the, and the words that are used there, let us, and yes, we do individually go, but it uses these, these pronouns, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Faith, hope, love. Let us consider that. Guys, when we get together, that's, that's what we should be continually encouraging each other in. Faith, hope, and love. Encouraging one another. <laughs> Let us consider how to stimulate one another. That, that word, I love that word in there. It means literally to agitate one another. <laughs> You're going to agitate somebody. Agitate them to love, right? <laughs> but guys, that's what we're called to do in this. Because I, how many of you agree that when you get together with a body of believers that are full of faith, hope, and love, it's contagious? Right? I mean, it, 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 it rubs off. And guys, we need that contagious atmosphere here. Because the truth is, the atmosphere out there is contagious too. The atmosphere that is full of doom and gloom and despair, that's contagious too. And we need that with one another, coming together and encouraging one another in those difficulties, in those trials that we face. Faith, hope, and love. Don't forsake the assembling together, getting together. They get together here, seeking the Lord together, praying, interceding together. Notice the response that tells us, Isaiah said to them, speaking the Lord says, thus 
says the Lord. We saw this last time. Over and over, Reb Shekah kept saying of Sennacherib that thus says the king, thus says the king, thus says the king. You know what? It doesn't matter what the king says. Thus says the Lord, the king of kings. And we're going to see the king of kings address the king here in just a minute. Then Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. When he heard them saying concerning Pirchah, king of Cush, behold, he has come out to fight against you. He sent messengers again to Hezekiah saying, so Rabshakeh leaves, but now Sennacherib says that they're still surrounded. The hunt, the, 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 they did not take the army away. They're still completely surrounded. The leaders left, but now they're sending word back. Sennacherib the king sending word back to Hezekiah and says, Thus you shall say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, destroying them completely. So will you be spared? Did the gods of those nations which my fathers destroyed deliver them, even Gozan and Haran and Rezeph, and the sons of Eden, were they who were in Kalasar? Where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad, the king of the city of, of Sepharvim? and of Hina, and of Iva. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. So he gets this letter again taunting, saying the same things. Don't get overconfident. Don't think that your God can somehow rescue you. Look at what has happened to all the rest of these lands, all the rest of these kings, all of the rest of these gods. They have all fallen short. And the enemy continues to say that to us, doesn't he? Continually. God's really going to come and stand up for you? God's really going to step in and take care of your situation. And it might be different words. It might come along the lines of, you really think God cares for you that much? He's got way more important things to do than to take care of you. Or, here's another one, you think God's going to listen to your prayer after what you did? After what you thought? After what you said? We saw this last time when we looked at it. Guys, the enemy's a liar, and the enemy doesn't know what he's talking about. Here he's taunting, here he's calling, and Hezekiah does what, guys, we should do with that message whenever it comes to us in whatever forms it comes in. Look at this. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers, he read it, and he went to the house of the Lord, and he spread it out before the Lord. He goes into the house of the Lord. He's looking out at over all of these enemies that are around him, surrounding him. The word that comes in, haunting him, calling him out, goes into the house of the Lord. He spreads the letter out before the Lord, and he basically said, this is for you. Might be addressed to me, but it's for you. Guys, Whatever it is, whatever comes against us, as children of God, we have a heavenly father who desires to be greater than any earthly father desires to take care of his children. I, as a, as a father, I struggle with this all the time. I say, oh, I want to just jump in. Oh, I want to it. And I can't. He can't. Jesus said, 
come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What he's saying is whatever burdens us, we need to take to him and say, this is for you. He, he said, bring it to me. Whatever that is, that burden that is heavy, that burden that is wearing on you, bring it to me. The burden that, that I will give with you is light because I will pull it with you. I will walk alongside with you. He takes it, he went to the house of the Lord. And I'm just reading through that earlier today. It brought me to my thoughts anyway to Psalm 73. Looking out at the situation that's out in the world and not understanding doesn't make any sense. Looking out at what's going on, and he's and it, no doubt Hezekiah again in that same situation. This doesn't make sense. You promised that that this wasn't going to happen. That we weren't going to have a problem with them. Yet here they are. It's right in front of us. And the 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 psalmist Psalm 73 says that basically the same thing. He's looking out at the world and he says it doesn't seem to make sense. None of this adds up. All of these that 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 blaspheme God, that aren't following God. It seems like they're prospering. Everything's going their way. There's struggles in my life. Things aren't adding up. I don't understand it. And it goes on, and he says in verse 16, Psalm 73, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. Until I came into the sanctuary of God. Now, that's not speaking of a building. That's speaking of a state of mind. That's speaking of where our heart position is. We talked of this on Sunday, if you were here, magnifying the Lord when our focus is completely on him, when we get our, our mind off of all of this other stuff and we turn our eyes to Jesus, period. He says, then I perceived their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakes. Oh Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. And I love that again as it lays out in Psalm 73 because the enemy would love to tell us that we're, we've messed up, we've stepped over here, God's not going to, it doesn't matter any of that. When we repent, when we turn back, there he is. We've, he says, I almost slipped, my, my feet almost came out, but he's got a hold of our right hand. He's the one in control. Until, and when we're looking out at all of the things around us, it doesn't, we can lose sight of that until we get to the sanctuary of God, until we magnify the Lord Jesus. And we spread it out before him. God, this is your problem. I am yours. I'm a blood-bought child, so this is your problem. Verse 15, Hezekiah prayed for the Lord. He laid it out. He put it, put it out before God and says, Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, who are enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God. You alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Now, is he doing that to boost God's ego? Is he doing that to remind God who God is? No. He's saying that to remind himself who God is, who he's talking to. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And listen to the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. 
Again, does God need to be reminded to listen? <laughs> Incline your ear, O Lord, to hear. Open your eyes to see. Remember, we've looked at this before. God, it tells Psalm 139, where it tells us he knows our words even before we speak them. He's aware of all of that. Just in his heart cry, Hezekiah, God, this is coming against you. Reminding himself, no doubt again, that what is truly happening here, truly, verse 17, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devastated the nations and the lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them all. Now, O Lord, our God, I pray, deliver us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. You know, it's interesting. James tells us that we have not because we ask. He goes on to say that we also, the other problem is what we ask, we ask with the wrong motive. And here we see a beautiful picture of how to ask and the right motives to have. First of all, he asks again. He comes and he lays it out right before him. Here's the, here's the problem. Lord, you deal with it. But notice he says, verse 19, oh, Now, O Lord, I pray, deliver us from the hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. That's it. You get the glory, Lord. That everyone would know that you're the king of kings, that you're the Lord of lords, that you did this. Then Isaiah, verse 20, the son of Amos sent to Hezekiah saying, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard you. Have not because you ask not, when you pray, I have heard and I want to encourage you, and i got to say it out loud to encourage myself. Guys, as Christians, again, we go before the throne of grace, receive mercy and grace in our time of need. When we are obedient, because Jesus told us, he said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. That means to continually ask. The, the, the tenth of the verbs that are written there, ask and ask. But, it's, it will, and it will be given. The response is a continual thing too. Keep asking and it will be given. Keep seeking, you'll keep finding. Keep knocking reverently or it will be open. As Christians, we ask, he hears. We don't have to beg him to hear us. the one who makes it possible for us to ask is asking us to ask. And it's desire. The Lord responds. This is the word that the Lord has spoken against him, against Sennacherib. She has despised you and mocked you. She being Israel, the virgin daughter of Zion. She has shaken her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Now, that's starting right out when I'm reading that. Again, remember who this is going to. 
King Sennacherib, this guy who takes no prisoners, this guy who just, you know, is ruthless. And God starts off by saying, the ones you're picking on, the virgin, she's shaking her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. That's like saying, if you'd turn around, you'd see Israel going, like, hey, Lord, we don't need to start out that way, right? I mean, let's not make them mad. But bottom line is, God is showing that he is the one. He's going he's gonna to get into that here in a second. But he's saying, you're picking on my kid. <laughs> and they're not afraid of you because I'm with them. Whom you have reproached and blasphemed, blasphemed and against whom you have raised your voice and haughtily lifted up your eyes, notice, against the Holy One of Israel. When you're coming against them, God's saying, you're coming against me. Like Jesus said to Saul on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting those who, who follow me, those who worship me? Why are you persecuting me? You do it to them, you're doing it to me. Through your messengers, you have reproached the Lord. And you have said, with my many chariots, I came up to the heights of the mountains, to the remotest parts of Lebanon, and I cut down its tall cedars and its choice cypresses. And I entered into the farthest lodging place, its thickest forest. I dug wells and drank foreign waters. With the sole of my feet, I dried up all the rivers of Egypt. Have you not heard long ago? I did. You think you're the one responsible for all of that that you're doing? God is saying, I From ancient times, I planned. Now I have brought it to pass that you should turn fortified cities into ruinous heaps. Therefore, their inhabitants were short of strength. They were dismayed and put to shame. They were as the vegetation of the field and its green herb, as grass on the housetops is scorched before it is grown up. But I know you're sitting down and you're going out, you're coming in and you're raging against me. And all of the stuff that happened, I planned. All of your victories, I set up. All of those people that you were conquering that were so scared of you, that everything, I put the fear in them. It wasn't you. God said, I had all of this planned all along. And a word there to, to us even, guys, all of this, we can, we, we can never take pride. We're going to see, we get there in chapter 20, Hezekiah's pride even that came about in his life, even this godly man, we have to always guard against that. That's something that's right there on the surface for every one of us, pride. God is I know most of you, as we've been, We've been talking about and, and praying about the, the election that just took place. Guys, we don't stop praying now. We've got to turn up the prayers now. That, that Donald Trump would not think that this is because of anything he did. That any of these other Senate leaders and all of these other things that, that are now set in place, that the, the, the Supreme Court Justice that hopefully the conservative that's pro-life and, and pro-marriage gets put in there. Those, those things that as they are, that they would not think that this is their doing. 
Because God is the one who has allowed and, and ordained this. God has given, I believe, us as a country now another chance to repent, to turn back here. We have an opportunity to do that. But we can't, we can't boast in this. This is nothing to boast in. We give all glory and praise to God. And we need to turn up the prayers even more now. <laughs> Note at verse 27. But I know you're sitting down and you're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me. You know, we, we talked about that again in Psalm 139 where it talked about God knows all of that. Us are going out, are coming in, our thoughts from afar, all this sort of thing. It's such a beautiful thing as a Christian. That's a horrifying thing if you're not. That God knows everything that you're doing. You're going out, you're coming in, your wicked thoughts, your, all of that stuff, he, he knows it. Because of your raging against me and because your arrogance has come up to my ears, Notice, therefore, I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lip, and I will turn you back by the way which you came. Now, the word now turns to Hezekiah. Then this shall be the sign for you. You will eat this year what grows of itself, and the second year what springs from the same, and the third year so reap plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. Remember, they've been under siege for a while now. And no doubt their, their supplies have diminished a little bit. They're, a lot of the cities, the fortified cities, have been taken, as we've said. The water supply, we talked about how, how Hezekiah had protected that through the tunnel and the covering up the cistern and all of that kind of stuff. But no doubt, wondering, where's the food going to come from? God says, don't worry about that. I got that taken care of. Next couple of years, you're going to eat what you didn't even work for. It'll be provided. And then in the third year, it'll get back to, back to normal. And that's going to be a sign. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem will go forth a remnant, and out of Mount Zion survivors, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. Look at this, verse 32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he will not come to this city or shoot an arrow there. And he will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he shall, he, by the same he will return, and he shall not come to this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant. David's sake. Now again, you got to imagine what he is seeing all the way around. Everything that he's heard and all that he's seeing with his own eyes. This massive army surrounding the entire city, God's promise to him is there won't be a siege ramp. They will not come into this city. They won't even fire an arrow. And Sennacherib the king is going to go back the way. Now I don't know about you again, and and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I know some of you guys have far greater faith than I do, and God bless you for that. But any question in that? Okay, God. I believe you. I do, I do, I do, I do. God is so and worked in ways that we have no idea. Because I got to wonder, Hezekiah, you know, he, he's, he's a king. He's, he's, he's got an army. He's got to be wondering, okay, Lord, how are we going to do this? 
starts going back. Okay, Gideon did it this way. All this other, okay, so we get to play pot? Is that what we're going to do? How, you know, what, how's this all going to work out? Tell you what, I'm just going to go to bed tonight, pray about it, and see what happens. Wakes up the next morning, look what happened. Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when Wen rose up early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. <laughs> so they go to bed thinking, all right, we're gonna, we, let's pray about this. See what the Lord's going to do. We'll get up in the morning and we'll start putting our plan together. Let's get back together and see what happens. They wake up, they're all dead. How many of you went to bed last night having no idea what was going to happen and you woke up this morning and didn't believe what you saw? Yeah, I mean, right? <laughs> God said, I will take care of it. God said, I will do it. And he did it in a way that no one could have guessed. No one could have predicted. Verse 36, so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home. <laughs> I'll, I bet, with his tail between his legs, and lived at Nineveh. Verse 37, again, remember what it said, God, what would happen to him. It came about, verse 37, as he was worshiping in the house of Nishrach, his God, that Adramelech and Sherezer, Killed him. We find out in sec if in Second Chronicles, these are two of his sons. Kill him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. And Ashhadon, his son, became king in his place. So another son takes his place. This happens about twenty years later. So it didn't happen right away. But God's word. Sometimes we think, wait a second, God, you said this guy's going to die by the sword. That the, what, what what's going on? God doesn't, God doesn't operate on our timetable. He operates on his. And his word is true, every one of it, every bit of it. So here we see his word is completely true, and it comes to pass. Well, let's take a look. We'll kind of go through chapter 20 a little quicker because we've touched on it already um, a little bit. This takes place, like I said, back in the 14th year. This is when, when Assyria first starts coming into the land, it's already overthrown the northern tribes. It's now starting to come into the southern tribes. Don't know, some think it's maybe a five or six year process um, that before what we just read took take place. But in those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Set your house in order. Get things ready because you're going to die. And that, didn't, that, that meant get everything all set up. Get, get, your, get everything in place. Get everything all set because this, this is it. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord saying, this Hezekiah, Isaiah comes with this word and leaves. Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. For Isaiah had gotten out to the middle of the court, the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, 
They've seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. So Isaiah gives him this word, and Isaiah, that you love Isaiah, reading through the book of Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah was just that prophet that God spoke through, and he just, he didn't sugarcoat anything. He just, this is what the Lord says. Here it is. The word of the Lord says, boom, walked into Hezekiah. Godliest king, remember, that has ever ruled. 14 years of getting rid of all of these idols, all of these high places, restoring the worship as it should be in the temple, all of this stuff. Isaiah walks in and says, dude, get your stuff together. You're dying. This, this illness that you have, and some believe it was to the point of like hospice situation. I mean, that he's, he's bedridden at this point. He says, you're not going to recover from this. And he walked out. Bedside manner, but. And then he's halfway across the courtyard, and the Lord says, go back. Tell him that he's going to live for another 15 years. Isaiah doesn't argue with him. Doesn't say, you know what, this is really going to hurt my reputation. He says, okay, obediently goes back. Isaiah said, take a cake of figs. And they took and laid it on the boil and he recovered. So we don't have much of an idea of what this illness was. Uh, some kind of tumor or whatever it was, but taking a cake of figs, putting it on there, laid it on there and he recovered. Now Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I should go up to the house of the Lord on the third day. So remember, Hezekiah's father, God said, ask me a sign. And he said, oh, I do that. God said, ask me a sign. And he did. Here we see Hezekiah, and he's going, what sign can you give me? You just told me I'm going to die. Now you tell me I'm going to live. This, put the cake on there, and it's gone. That's cool. But what other sign can you give me? Isaiah said, this shall be the sign for you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or back 10 steps? And we see and we look at the other, like I said, it's recorded for us in Chronicles and Isaiah, that there was some kind of time piece, um, sundial, if you would, and it had steps on it. That, that's how they told what time it was. So Isaiah said, so what do, what do you want it to do? Do you want the sun to go forward 10 steps on this or back 10 steps? Hezekiah answered, it's easy for the this shadow to decline 10 steps. I mean, that's what it does all the time. But let the shadow go back 10 steps. Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow on the stairway back 10 steps by which it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Now, it's, it's funny that it, this is one, and when I just was looking at this earlier, Googled a few things stuff. It's funny what you'll see, what people are saying, saying. See, this is why the Bible is so unbelievable. Are you telling me that God stopped the world and backed it up? If he did that, everybody'd go flying off. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? It doesn't say that. It says God put his finger on the shadow. And... As a matter of fact, we're going to see that it, that didn't happen everywhere. That happened right there. It, it I guess I just say that because it, the, 
the, the things that people have to use to try to discredit the Bible are a stretch everywhere. I mean, we don't have to. That, that whole Charles Spurgeon quote, you know, how do you defend the Word of God? Guys, we don't have to defend the Word of God. The Word of God is alive. And Spurgeon's response is, how do you defend a, a, a ravenous lion? You don't. You just let it out of the cage. Defend itself. So let the Word of God out. Let it defend itself. We don't. But so anyway, that, that, so God backs up the shadow. At that time, verse 12, Barodak Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. The word travels. At this time in history, Babylon is just a small little city under Assyrian rule. And so the king of Babylon, and he wasn't really king, like Hezekiah, they were under Assyrian rule. Israel is not. Judah is not. So Hezekiah is king over Judah. This guy, king over Babylon, he maybe was ruling that little thing, but he was under Assyrian rule at that time. Hezekiah, notice this, Hezekiah listened to them. They came and showed them all his treasure, all his treasure, the silver and gold and the spices and the precious oil and the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Here again, we see pride come in. They come and they say that, that we heard about this thing. And one of the other records, it says that of this thing that took place here. Again, that backing up of the shadow didn't take place in Babylon. It took place right there. And there were witnesses. People saw it. Word gets back. Hezekiah's been healed. He was supposed to die. He's been healed. So they come. Hezekiah Instead of taking him to the, the sundial and say, yeah, this is right, it is, and in the glory of God, and this is how it happened, and I was healed and miraculously healed, and glory to God, let me tell you all about him, and let me take you over to the, the temple, and we can worship him, and, and all, all of that kind of stuff. He doesn't. He says, oh, since you're here, let me show you all my stuff. Let me show you all that I've accumulated. Let me show you all the things that I've done. I mean, that since you're here, really bad idea that we see in verse 14. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where have they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come from a far country, from Babylon. He said, And what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. Therefore is nothing among my treasuries that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this, in, to, in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left. Some of your sons who shall issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away, and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. So, again, Babylon is 
small little city at this point, but they will grow to overthrow Assyria and become the rulers of the world. And they will be the ones who will then eventually carry off Judah into exile. Here Isaiah is saying, basically, you've, you've stirred that fire. Now they know what's here. You've put, this, you've put this spot on the map because of your pride. And even some of your own children, who, by the way, when he was on his deathbed, hadn't been born yet. He didn't have a son yet. But some of them will be carried away. And we're going to look at, unfortunately, the one who is born to take the throne next time. Verse, see, where did I, where, 19. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he thought, is it not so if there will be peace and truth in my days? Now that is a really difficult little passage to try to figure out what he says. Because at first reading, it sounded like, okay, so they're coming, but it's going to be after I die? All right, everything's cool. I think what really when reading that, and we've seen this at, at other times before, when the word of the Lord comes against it, he's basically in repentance saying that the word of the Lord is good. I, that There's nothing I can do to defend what I did. And this is coming. And it is coming in this future time. And who, what can I do to argue against that? Verse 20, now the rest of the act of Hezekiah and all his might and how he made the pool and the conduit and brought water into the city. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Hezekiah slept with his fathers and Manasseh, his son, became king in his place. We're going to see as we look at Manasseh next time. Hezekiah, as we mentioned, the, the godliest of all the kings in Judah to this point. Manasseh is going to tip scale completely the other direction, do things that are most, most wicked. And again, wonder how those things transpire and take place. We'll look at that next time. In closing, and I'd, I'd like to just kind of give this even as we as we close and and just give the opportunity afterwards if you if you have something that you're really dealing with you would like to lay out before the lord that you would like to pray with you'd like prayer for um i'd like to invite you to come up afterwards you know bob and i be up here um a couple others need prayer please come on up I'd like to pray with you as an example that we see that Hezekiah did. Because again, our Lord tells us to keep asking, to keep seeking, and to keep knocking. Some people will say that if you do that continually, you keep asking, and it shows a lack of faith. No, I think it shows an abundance of faith because we're believing what Jesus said. We're believing that if we continue to come and ask, that we will be that the Lord will hear our prayer and respond. He might not give what we're asking, but it tells us His Word promises us that no good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. As we seek Him and we seek His will and we seek His desire for us and we trust Him with that outcome. Again, letting God work completely outside of any box we might try to put Him in. He hears and He answers. 
He opens doors that no man can shut. But he says to keep knocking means that the door is closed. (laughs) And we're knocking. We wait for him to open. When we're ready. When the situation is right. Keep seeking. And not seeking what he has for us, but seeking him. Again, magnifying him. Looking to him. You would, if you need something, if you want to, if you have something, whatever it might be, job situation, a bill, a family situation, whatever it might be, you want to lay that out before the Lord. We pray together. Let me just share this with you. Have a minute. This last couple of days, my wife and I got away for a couple of days just to spend some time away together, just get some rest, and we do this periodically. We just get away and, and pray together. and. We went out to eat, and our waitress, which we do most of the time, I've encouraged many of you to do this too, we, we ask our waitress what we could pray for her about. If there's anything going on. And she was so blown away by that. That is, that's, that's, I, and she told us something. And then so we prayed with her. And then five minutes later, one of the other hosts come up and pulls up a chair and sits down. She says, my friend just told me you're praying for people. And I have this thing. <laughs> She wrote out a list. A whole list. We have it. We brought it home. I mean, we're prayed for it that day. We're going to keep praying for it. I mean, it's just, you got that list? (laughs) Let's lay it out before the Lord and let's pray about it, okay? Well, let's pray. God, we thank you that we don't have to beg you to hear our prayer. Lord, this, this throne of grace that you are on. Tell us that we have any time. We don't have to take a number. We don't have to wait in line. You anxiously await on the edge of that throne. I have no doubt we're, we're all faced differently. It might not be to the rest of the world 185,000 barbarians. Lord, it's insurmountable to us. Lord, we do. We just, we're obedient. Said to bring it to you. You said, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, you. Thank you. Thank you for hearing. Thank you for answering. Thank you for your word. Like Hezekiah. Lord, we, we also, Pray that you would guard us all against pride, against those things that sneak in. Our desires. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.